there. This is Dennis Anyone with Dennis Hensley, a podcast about making things up and making things happen. Creative people, I love talking to them. And this is part two of my holiday gift guide. Uh, I've got four interviews, short ones coming up with people that have created things that I think make excellent holiday gifts. Uh, we've got Andy Scahill. He's the founder of Cinema for Sodomites, and they have some excellent merch uh, on their site for movie lovers like me. Uh, we've got James Carroll. He's the co-creator of the Showgirls Activity Book, which is available on Amazon. It's everything you want it to be if you're a fan of that movie. Uh, Paul Ybarra is the man behind Straight Jacket Tarot. He created his own line of tarot cards featuring him in a Speedo and a Straight Jacket, which is his thing. And we learn all about it. And finally, Andrew Harper, he has a store online called Reissued. Uh, there's a set of art cards that he created that really caught my eye. And he also does some cool stuff with clothing. Um, and I tracked him down on Instagram. I've been following him for a while. He's a thrift store aficionado, so we get into that. Before we get to the interviews, I want to take a moment to thank everyone who has become a subscriber to DNRstudios.com. That's the collective of shows that I'm part of. Uh, if you do that, you get my episodes two days earlier and you get all these other great shows. It's a great way of showing support for the podcast, and I appreciate it. And you can also listen as you normally do wherever you get your podcasts. But DNR Studios, that's a cool thing to be. It's, it's where all the cool kids are doing. It really is. It's where the action is. All the kids, the TikTokers, they're doing it. Everyone's everyone cool. I think Taylor Swift might be doing it. I don't know. Maybe she's probably not. But um, she's directing a movie now. Like, everyone's got Taylor fever, and I am not immune. Um, anyway, that's neither here nor there. Uh, but you can learn about all of that at dnrstudios.com. All right, and now on with our gift-giving ideas, starting with an interview with the Cinema for Sodomites founder, Andy Scahill. Joining me now from Colorado, it's Andy Scahill, the founder of Cinema for Sodomites, and you have an amazing <laughs> shop there with all kinds of cool gifts. So what exactly is Cinema for Sodomites? Uh, you know, I think Sodomites is my, my favorite uh, anti-gay slur, if, if we can have one of them, because it's so antiquated. Uh, and, you know, like, legally, we're all sodomates, right? Um, yeah. And so I, I think it's it's with that kind of, like, cheekiness in mind. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's like a celebration of queer people and their relationship to cult movies, really. Uh, and and how we uh, how we consume them and how we trade them among each other is kind of the, the driving force behind it. And it's something you started with some live events and screenings that you do in Colorado, right? And now it's sort of spawned this website with merch. And we all love merch. First yeah. of all, I love the word merch. But you have the Rainbow Cult. <laughs> what is the Rainbow Cult? Yeah, you know, so I'm a, I'm a film professor at CU Denver. That's kind of my, my full-time Z job. And, you know, in COVID, I was kind of thinking about how this release window for movies has has. You know, narrowed so much, right? We can see pretty much any movie, uh, new releases too, from the comfort of our home. So why would we go to a theater, right? Like what makes the theater experience special uh, anymore if we can just watch things at home? And I thought, you know, uh, for, for cult movies have always been about the audience, you know? Uh, and, and so it's about cultivating that cult movie experience that we might experience with, say, Rocky Horror Picture Show. But why not with other movies? Why not the Rocky Horror experience with uh, Drop Dead Gorgeous or uh, True Beverly Hills or Clue? Uh, and so that's kind of what we're trying to do is to bring the liveness back to theater and the eventness back to theater or sorry, to the theaters um, by, by uh, creating these experiences around films that queer people love and, and love to quote. Well, 
I feel like moving to Colorado just so I can go to your rainbow cult <laughs> events. So, like, at Jew Beverly Hills, what would you do? Like, have merit yeah. badge stuff happening? We what did. would you do? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, we had a, a special station where uh, people could design gay merit badges, uh, like survival badges. Like, I survived my family at Christmas. Right. Uh, my first time in high heels. Really kind of marking those occasions of, of queer life and survival. Uh, and then we passed out, uh, like, surprise uh, Girl Scout cookies during the film. Uh, when we did Death Becomes Her, we did a dead celebrity ball where we invited people to dress up as their favorite Siempre Viva uh, attendee at the, at the celebrity ball. And uh, for Drop Dead Gorgeous, we gave everybody tiaras and sashes to decorate. And so it's, it's, you know, it's that community feeling. So why would I, why would I go out to see a movie that came out, say, 30 years ago? Uh, part of it's like, I want to see it with the ideal audience, you know, the, the, one, the ideal audience I never got to see it with when I first saw these movies. Right. People keep talking about the death of cinema. And, yeah, you can watch it mm. at home. It's not the same. I don't focus the it's same. Not. I don't have the same experience. Mm-hmm. And every time one of my favorite podcasters is Kara Swisher. She's always talking mm-hmm. about the death of the movies. Mm-hmm. Well, and I'm like, you, mm-hmm. it's not – you got to go. I got to go. I'm never yeah. going to want to watch something at home if I can go see a big screen thing. But you have merch on your site that people from all around the world and all around the country can buy. You don't have to be there uh, and go into your screening. So talk about some of the stuff that might appeal to people that don't get to live in Denver and see see your cool events. Yeah, absolutely. You know, then there's two kind of companies here. There's the Cinema for Sodomites, and then there's the Rainbow Cult. The Rainbow Cult, for me, I, I tell my designers, uh, do it like Lisa Frank meets Church of Satan. And right. then whatever that means to you, you draw it. And so a lot of sacrilege, a lot of unicorns, um, a lot of kind of rainbow bright meets punk uh, kind of stuff. Uh, and then the Cinema for Sodomites is, uh, is a lot of it's movie-specific. Like right now, we're, I have a big campaign around uh, Batman Returns. Yeah, you're obsessed with Catwoman. I love Catwoman. And let's be honest, it's Catwoman's movie. And and Batman is just there, you know? Um, And and even, like, Penguin, he's the one who gets the character arc in Batman Returns. Uh, And and Batman's pretty ancillary. So we have this idea of Catwoman kind of, like, taking over the movie and scratching out Batman's name and scrawling hers above it. And so that's the kind of push with with the designs for uh, for Catwoman Returns, as as, as I would prefer to call it. Um, And then, uh, let's see, last uh, month we did Adam's family values which let's be honest that's wednesday's movie sure and so it's this idea of like creating these cult saints almost we're going to create a, a line of prayer candles that's like uh, divine as the virgin of guadalupe right um and so thinking about these like figures of devotion and cult queer cult cinema is is really the push uh for these these products well one of the designs that really caught my eye is the death becomes her bathroom um sign t-shirt so it's the characters from death becomes her like one of the the little icons has a hole through the middle like but but as though they would be on a bathroom door just like so clever yeah this mix of movie love and gay stuff and, and, you know, for queer people, like, the bathroom has become this sort of fraught yes. space, right? And right. so I like the idea of reclaiming the bathroom sign um, to celebrate the queer fandom. Um, and a lot of this stuff is kind of like, I don't know, I say, like, if you if you see it, you see it. Um, even the logo of Cinema for Sodomites, it's just a camera lens logo. It's the same one that's been used for, for decades. But if you see a butthole, you see a butthole, right? Yeah. Uh, I but see a butthole. I do. I do. <laughs> I do. I, I love it. That says a lot about us. Well, <laughs> but uh, they have one for Steel Magnolias that's just two Pantone color chips, uh, yes. blush and bashful. And I use that as this litmus test for queer people. I'm like, do you get it? 
and you know it's almost a generational thing but not exclusively well uh, it's i funny how many knew people... it was from a movie yeah. but i couldn't place it and i was going to ask you before we yeah. started what it was so that i could ask about it in an informed way and now i'm busted i flunked the test is the point no it's, it's funny because it's like i think we all have like um cult movies that we are embarrassed that we haven't seen right yeah but that's also the nature of modern living is that like i can quote lines from um say gray gardens having never seen gray gardens right because it's become so infused in queer culture and this is what i'm finding with a lot of queer people and the, the whole rainbow cult is also like rainbow culture this is part of like our culture this is part of our touchstones as queer people i love it well people should go to cinema for sodomites.com check out their merch there's <laughs> even some ornaments there um mm-hmm. and i love that you you've done this in addition to what you do you're a film professor for your main mm-hmm. job here's my final question what has it meant to you to ha- start this side thing what has it brought to you it's, you know, it's, it's this expression of my love for cinema, the place that it's always had in my lives. And it's a way to connect people who, um, you know, may have seen these movies, but I've, they've never seen them in a group of queer people. They've never been able to kind of share it the same way that, that uh, we'd like to. So it's, it's almost like getting back to the, like the feeling of seeing these things for the first time. At, at the last event, I said, this is the closest thing I can think of movie-wise as going to a live concert. I love that. You know, I mean, I may love these artists, but to see them live is a totally different experience. And that's how these movies and these cult experiences have been for me. And have you been having a blast with it? It's so much fun. We've sold out. We've only been doing this since August and we've sold out 200 seats on a Tuesday every month. So I think there's something there, right? I think there's something there for queer people as an underserved community to provide that kind of, gosh, we all need safe spaces right now, right? And it's very much that, I think. I love it. I think I'm going to order the Cinema for Sodomites uh, beanie. It's adorable. I I love love it. it. All right. Andy, thank you so much. Check out his website, Cinema for Sodomites. Happy holidays. Joining me now from Long Beach, California, it's one half of the company, Cool Dog Incorporated, James Carroll. Hi. Hi, Dennis. How are you doing? Well, you're here because you gave me something on my birthday. You you came to my birthday party. You gave me my favorite birthday gift that I think I've gotten in many, many years. The Showgirls Activity Book. You created an activity book around one of my favorite movies, Showgirls, and I live for it. I haven't done any of the activities yet because I don't want to... I don't want to soil it. Or I don't want to well, mess it up. Like, I don't want to. That's, that's the idea. Just, you have one to do and you have one to keep and show it to your friend. I see. That's how it works. I love it. Yeah. Well, the cover is Patrick Bristow yelling at Nomi, thrust it, thrust it. I mean, we don't see the words, but we know what he's yelling because we're fans. So exactly. what inspired you and your, you, you have a partner, right, in this, in this enterprise? Yes. So, so my friend Ben and I, um, during lockdown in 2020, we, we both work in reality television, um, either producing or post-production. And uh, with COVID, all the work dried up. So we needed a creative outlet. And he suggested that we team up and, uh, and do what we, and, and make something for busy hands. So we, we did a, we did a one activity book, which didn't do so well. And then we thought, well, let's just do the one we love the most, which was Showgirls. And there it is. And so you got it up on Amazon and people started buying it and loving it. Is that right? Yeah. People started buying it. We, we didn't really publicize it a lot. Um, and then, uh, the lovely Peaches Christ in San Francisco, who produced the live action show girls, a musical 
got a copy and very kindly did a little little post and it's just, it's just taken off from there. I love that there's a word search. I love a word search, right? It's so good. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, so the idea is to like, take all the stuff you remember as a kid uh, and put it together with a movie that we, that we both love called Showgirls and, uh, and see what happens. So it's a, it's a very tongue-in-cheek spin on, uh, on, on, on a kid's activity book. Right, and there's lots of things you can color. How did you create the images? They're stills from the, the movie with dialogue and stuff, but they look kind of like comic booky. Like, how did you create them? So they're, they're hand-drawn. Um, yeah. we, we did them. And um, so it's all original artwork. And, uh, and we just took the best scenes from the movie. And, and created them by hand. Um, created them by hand. On the, well, on the, illustrated on the computer. Um, and, then, and then put together. Now, you did not grow up in the United States. Where did you grow up? I grew up in South Africa. Now, did you get a lot of American pop culture? Did the, did the things that... Oh, like, it sounds oh like the yes. Things we that... got everything. When did you first see Showgirls? What do you remember about the first time you saw it? I was a little too young to see Showgirls in cinema when it first came out. I was 14, I think, when it came out. I saw a copy on VHS um, at a friend's house. And uh, I remember it being very long. Uh, That was the first (laughs) time I saw it. Very, very long. It was a long film. Sure. Um, And then I've probably seen it another... 30 times since then. Wow. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's actually a really good film. It's a fantastic film. I watched Um, it recently. I watch it a lot. I have a history with it. I interviewed Elizabeth Berkley for the cover of Detour um, before the movie came out. And I interviewed her on Sunset Boulevard, and the billboard for Showgirls had just gone up. So we walked out to look at the billboard and... She was so excited, and there was so much anticipation around it, and um, I really loved her. And at the time, she wasn't going to be on the cover. She was going to be an inside article. And then somebody dropped out for the cover, and they were like, well, can we, can we bump up Berkeley? Is the movie going to be that big a deal? So me and a couple of the editors went to an advanced screening to see if it was, you know, if, can we make this the cover? We didn't have a lot of choices. And the, the, and I remember the screening being like, it was just like four or five of us in there. And I remember being like, knowing it was ridiculous and campy, but also kind of loving it. And like, I wanted it to be the cover. And like, I, you know, I had an agenda to see it through that certain lens. Um, but we ended up putting her on the cover. I ended up doing a phone interview with Verhoeven to go with it. And it was a whole thing. Um, but I, yeah, so I was on, I was, I was kind of in there uh, in, in, on the Showgirls tip before it even came out. And I revisited Every so often. And the last time I saw it at the Hollywood Forever Cemetery, I kind of was thinking about the workplace abuses in the world that we've been hearing more and more about. And Nomi pushes back on a, on a – she doesn't take any shit. Nomi is a, is a feminist hero. She's, She's a, a feminist hero. And this is what really struck me. Even in that line where everybody's being um, insulted by, by Moss – and, mm-hmm. and she doesn't put up with his crap. And I was like, that's kind of revolutionary. I don't know. I, I, it struck yeah. me this time how she refused to put up with people's abuse. Well, everything for Nomi is a negotiation. Like, she's, she's incredibly strong. She's come out of trauma. And everything is for sale, whether or not she, she's being bought or she's buying something. Um, it really is an incredible 
look at American culture from a from a sort of Dutch filmmaker's perspective, like. Right, and it's like never it's not, satire. It's, it's satire. never not fascinating. Every time yeah. I watch it, it, depending on what's going on at the culture at the time, I see it through a, a different lens. Um, what's your favorite thing in the activity book? Where, where's the thing where you're like, you know what, we crushed that. That's brilliant. Uh, I, there are a lot of things. I, I think I think the makeup on the kids, uh, draw the makeup on uh, on the kids section is is really fun. Right, that's from um, a little mo- uh, moment in the movie when they're from the in movie the dressing room. Yeah, with the, with the monkeys, which was yes. a scene which was cut out of the movie, and then all the hidden stuff in the word search in the background. Yes, um, there, there's a lot of like little Easter eggs for for eagle-eyed people, um, and. I really, I really enjoy the comic strip panel of when Nomi pushes Crystal down the stairs. Yeah, it's a, it's a classic moment, and it's fun to see it uh, depicted in such a way. There's also, like, mazes and connect the dots, all the stuff you would enjoy on a placemat at a, you know, family restaurant, except it's not a family movie. Um, do you have other movies that you want to do going forward? Oh, yeah. Uh, so, so Ben and I have got a couple of other ones in, in, in the works. Um, we're doing we're doing a loving homage to uh, Mean Girls. Um, I love it. There's, an, there's, another, there's another one for The Birdcage. And um, our, my favorite film out of the 90s is Clueless. And, uh, and Clueless is coming very soon. I love it. So it's these fun movie lover activity books. I tell you, it's this little hobby that we... This little thing that we put together using our hobbies, and it's just kind of like taken off, which is really fun. So, and, and it's great, and it's great to connect with people who appreciate it as much as we do. So, what do you hear from them? Because they probably buy it on Amazon. Like, how do they reach out to you? Uh, either through Amazon or through our Instagram. Um, there's a there's a huge community of people who like camp, silly, yeah. irreverent, uh, fun things. Um, and the reviews have been generally very good. Um, we got a, we got an excellent review on Amazon, uh, from a mother who gave it to her child <laughs> and was very impressed with their coloring abilities, right, but exactly. it was taken out, of, but it was taken out of the school library for some reason, um, <gasps> which I consider a compliment. Yes. That's a badge of honor. So tell people how they can find this, the showgirls activity book and also learn more about what you guys do. I think you're on Instagram, right? We're on Instagram. Uh, we're at cooldog.inc, I-N-C, and it's on Amazon if you just search for Showgirls Activity Book. <laughs> I love it. I'm sorry. I'm getting over a cold. All right, James, here's my final question. Um, what is having this project meant for you in your life? You said it came along during a time when you didn't have much going on, but but what's what's it meant to you? It's It's been such an eye-opener to go back to something I I loved years ago, uh, which was drawing an illustration, um, and, and kind of re and kind of resharpening those tools and making something, making something that's out there for the public and people seeing it and appreciating without having to like force or market or ask them to look at it. Like people have found it and gravitated towards it, and it's incredibly flattering. It's 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 a it's a strange feeling. I love it. I'm so happy for you that you created this, and I'm happy for me that I got one. Thanks, James. Okay. Thanks, Dennis. Joining me now from Hollywood, it's Paul Yabara. And Paul, of all of the people on this gift guide, your product is the most niche, the most unique. Um, <laughs> it's the straight jacket tarot, um, and it's a deck of tar- tarot cards, but it's all 
of a theme. Am I saying tarot right, by the way? Or is it tarot or tarot? How do you say it? I think you, I think you can say it both ways. I just, uh, I've always used the word tarot. Uh, when I was a kid, when I was 12, I lived in Southern Oregon and there was this big psychic fair and they had Timothy Leary oh, wow. as the uh, speaker. And he was talking and he talked about crystals, but I heard him say the word tarot. So in my mind, as a 12-year-old kid, I'm thinking, if Tim Leary is calling it tarot, that is what it's called. But I've heard it both ways, too, from both experts. So I think it's just like an accent, potato, potato. All right. So this is a deck of how many cards are in a tarot deck? It's a full tarot deck. So there's 78 cards, including the 21 major arcana and the 56 of the minor arcana. So it's a full functional uh, tarot deck. I love it. And it's... You, you're depicted in it, in, on every card, yes. in, in your fetish, which is uh, wearing a straitjacket and a red Speedo, which I'm also a Speedo is- fan, so I'm, I'm, I'm bored with that as well. <laughs> um, so it's, you've created this deck. What inspired you to do this? My, I was originally going to do like a, a kind of a fun, like, has-been tarot deck. And I don't want to say who the has-beens are, but just people from yesteryear from the 70s favorite people that we haven't thought about in a while that might pop up on a love boat or a game show right. network uh exactly the love yeah. boat cast exactly right. that type of guest star right and then i thought you know what the uh the function of that might be i might offend i don't want to hurt those people's feelings because uh i'm also a fan of their work i love right. you know that's my level that's where i'm at so i mean that's that's my people right and i thought you know if i'm going to do a tarot deck uh I want to embrace fetish. I, I heard Dan Savage say a long time ago on a podcast defending fetishes, saying, you know, when you don't you don't pick your fetishes, they choose you. And I thought, you know what? I'm really proud about my fetish. And I know that some people aren't are more secretive about it. I, I want to be out and open about it. As a gay guy, as a queer artist, I want to make I like the mystery of having your fetish, but I also want to make it like okay in the vernacular to say fetishes not normal but it's certainly fun and acceptable yeah i think that's cool and i admire it what has been the reaction like so far to the deck it has been uh so you know what i used when i when i did the deck i i copyrighted it i made it with my my author name i used the word the name paul straitjacket yeah but i also put in voice parentheses it's really paul yabar that's my station but i thought you know if i don't want to hurt my family i don't want to scare my mom who's a very strict catholic my dad they're, you know, old school cholos. I don't want to freak them out. But they have been the most supportive. My mom and her husband have both been very super supportive in an uncomfortable way, like the way that we like your fetish. You know, we, you know, how's the old straitjacket doing? It's been really uh, very with open arms, as ironic as it is for a straitjacket. It has been so accepted. And the, a lot of gay guys really uh, love it. I, I was really impressed by that. Here's my thing about having that as a fetish. Do you need help to get into it, or can you do it yourself? Uh, you always need help. You know you what? I always need to... help. Yes. So, <laughs> which can be dangerous, but if you have someone that is is trustworthy, you know, play partner, a partner that's okay with your kinks, it's good. But it is definitely a you got to get into it with some help. You can't just do it on your own one night at three in the morning when you're I have... alone in a hotel room in Boise. I've tried. I remember I tried it once when I was in Sugarland, Texas, and I got it loose tight enough where i was stuck for about 12 hours by myself and this is when i was not out about my fetish so i was so scared that shit my roommates are going to find me i'm going to be like how am i going to explain this and within about like six hours i got out of it but it was that was even loose so definitely to have it properly applied correctly somebody's got to be there wow you're like houdini with all of this all of a sudden i always tell people i'm the opposite of houdini i'm the the non-escape artist i always even when i travel uh 
in airplanes, I always take it as my, my carry-on just because I'm a fetish guy. And you never know when I might need my straight jacket. But I will have the uh, airplane people at the, uh, the I want to call them loss prevention, but it's PSA. the... No. Yes. Yeah. They'll go, what are you, a kind of escape artist? I'll say, yes. Oh, my God, that's the coolest job ever. And I'm thinking, shit, thank God that I can sort of get away with that and, yeah. and not talk too much about it. But the right people get it. The wrong ones just think that, oh, okay, you're an escape artist. Great. You know, that's really cool. Now, do you have a collection <laughs> of them or just one trusty straitjacket that's your... I have a, I have 18 total. I have a collection of them. Who? Where do, you, where do the coolest ones come from? Who makes the best ones? Posey... The, I, there's a lot of like different leather ones, rubber ones, latex ones that are beautiful fetish focused ones. I'm more of an old school yeah, guy. Maybe you want I, the one that they would put Francis Farmer in in a movie. I want the legit. Yes, I want the the heavy canvas. I want the fear. I want the actual medical one that was made to to protect somebody or to scare somebody. Posey or Humane Restraint are like the the main two companies. Posey stopped making them in 2017, I think, and they're highly sought after. So they were easy to find on eBay or different websites, kink websites that would, would sell them, but now they become like gold. They're, They're hard like to find. commodities. Wow. Yes. When did you discover you like that? When I was probably about five years old. I think it was a, a Starsky and Hutch, Hutch uh, episode seeing one of those guys getting strapped into a straitjacket. I don't even, I'm sure I was drooling as a kid. I know myself. I'm a very syllabic person. I, I, so I, I drool a lot. And I know, I'm sure I probably was drooling and had no clue or control over what was going on, but my eyes were transfixed. Yeah. And probably when I was around five years old, I would try and get babysitters to tie me up, uh, which they thought, of course, you know, keep this kid out of trouble. Let's do this, you know. So I had a, an MO that seemed to work. <laughs> I love that. You know, like, I think it's when we sort of, I don't know, when we're younger, certain things hit. Like, I remember I had a big thing for disco pants, guys in disco pants, and I was a little too young for it. Or like sure. dolphin shorts, like super short shorts from the eighties. Like, yep. like I'll watch old things, like this Return to Chippendales show that's on right now, and it's like, yes, that. And they're starting to come back a little bit. Now, what medium do you use when you create these cards? Is it is it paints? What what markers? What do you use? I used watercolor, ink, and pencil. And uh, I listened to a ton of disco music when I was creating these because I started them in twenty twenty one. So during the no twenty twenty, I'm sorry. And throughout the pandemic, I had nothing but time on my hands. So it was nothing but either spooky podcasts or disco playlists. And uh, it was all infused with that. But having that that time to do that, it was just creating these. The cards are originally 20 by 30. I mean, they're, they're huge pieces. Right. But when they're printed, the company I used made them four by six. So they're more of like an art piece, but they are a functional tarot deck. Um, do you actually read people's cards? Do you use them in that way? Or I do. do you, are they more sort of an art piece? I do both. You can actually use them for both. I've, I've done several readings. I actually still book readings for people that want tarot card. I used to do the tarot card readings all the time with just my favorite writer weight deck. And then creating my own deck, I'm thinking, let me make friends with this. You start, because you create it yourself, you really see the meanings of what these cards mean to you when you're doing a reading. So it becomes more, you become more in tune with it. Your, your psychic skills, your intuition seems to even build even more so just because it's it's more, it's you, you know, right. your, your blood, sweat, and tears are in these cards. So it's more accurate in that sense. And your image. It's, 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 I could imagine that it works on different levels. How can people find these cards? They're at uh, straightjackettarot.com. I mean, it's how you spell straightjackettarot.com. It's sort of long and wordy, but it's straightjackettarot. Even if you type it in, it'll pop in there. Or if you look for my name, Paul Straightjacket, it'll take you to Instagram or, or to that website, to straightjackettarot.com. Awesome. Final question. What did it mean to you to have this side project? It sounds like you did it during the pandemic. Did it help keep you sane a little bit? It, it you know, it did. Um, 
I, I'm, I normally make music. And because nobody could go and nobody could work, no musician could work. Nobody can go into studios. We couldn't do anything. We were all afraid in our houses, wiping down apples and oranges, coming back to the grocery store. We were so isolated. I thought, shit, what am I going to do with this time? I mean, like I can only be tied up for so much. I've got to be creative in some sense. And, uh, my other side hustle besides doing the music was always doing the tarot readings. I thought I'm going to make a tarot deck, <coughs> but make it fetish focused, you know, just go out there and do this. You know, if, if, whenever we come back in 2020, we were all thinking, you know, how long is this going to last? I thought when I come back, I'm going to be this out and proud queer gay guy that's proud of his fetish and to make other people okay with their fetishes too. And that's how it developed and became sort of a, my, my, a need to do it. It was my reason for living, my reason for waking up. Thank you, Paul. It was fun talking to you, and uh, you hope, our, hope our paths cross very soon. For sure. Thank you, Dennis. Joining me from Noonan, Georgia, which is near Atlanta, it's Andrew Harper. He's a visual artist. He's also a dancer and a choreographer. I discovered you on Instagram, Andrew, and you do all kinds of interesting things and fun things. So, first of all, welcome. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Dennis. I'm happy to be here. The things that caught my eye for the gift guide are the cards that you do. Yeah. So I, uh, I've been creating stuff for my website for like the last two years. I, uh, was living in New York during COVID and I had some time on my hands and I sort of got back into drawing and painting and creating clothes and things like that. So a lot of the, the stuff on my website, I repurpose things that I thrift and I upcycle and create new cool uh, designs. Um, but in the last couple of years, really, really the, uh, the drawing and painting has been something that has been most popular. And so I, you know, I had a lot of friends and, and people that were interested in purchasing my artwork. I wanted to create a version of that that would be in a more affordable price point. So I decided to do a couple of my pieces as prints and to sell them as a card set. Um, so with the cards that I have available on my website currently, it's a set of four collages that I made that have some um, sort of thoughts that I had at the bottom as well. Um, so yeah, I've, I've, I've sold quite a few. They've been really popular and I, uh, I, I'm glad that people are connecting with them. Well, they really caught my eye. Cause I, first of all, I love any kind of stationery and things like that, but the artwork on them is really unique. It's what is the medium? What are you using? It's a mix of things. So it's, um, printed photograph, like old photographs that I found and I reproduce those and print those larger. Um, they are decoupaged on and then there's acrylic paint, there's Sharpie. It's just, I wanted a mix of things that felt kind of like a little bit graffitied and kind of irreverent and just kind of like wild, but also with, you know, with the acrylics that feels a little bit more painterly as well. So that kind of mix, I think I, I found something kind of interesting. I love it. The other thing that you post on your Instagram that I love are these thrift finds. You love a thrift store adventure, like a Goodwill adventure. I love a thrift store. I am, I go to Goodwill and I actually, I work at the, my local Habitat Restore a couple of days a week now. I was there so often that they're like, Hey, do you want to like work here? Some, I'm like, great, let's do it. So you but get no, first I love- dibs of everything that comes in. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I love seeing you come off the track. I'm like, I'm going to put that in my pile. Like, yeah, that's awesome. Um, but yeah, no, I, I love thrifting. I'm, I'm renovating my house right now. And so I'm doing that on a budget, but I also just think that I would much prefer to find something that's unique and has a story and that feels it's like fate has put it in your lap in that moment. It just feels so much more exciting to me than just like going to the store and buying something general, you know? But then you do these videos of remaking them or repurposing them. You did this amazing, created this amazing chair out of like a bag. And it, like, it was just, talk to me about that one specifically. Cause it, you took that something and made something the, totally different. 
It is one of my proudest moments. So I, I've been very lucky um, with my local Goodwill. I've done a couple of collaborations with them and worked sort of as an influencer for them a little bit. And I so, love that um, a Goodwill has an influencer. That's awesome. I know, right? No, they, they, it was, it's a thing where they got so many donations and they're like, we need to sort of encourage people to come into our store. So we're like looking for ways to get people involved and being creative in the store and giving them reasons to shop. Shh, sorry, my dog is, you need, you need to calm down. <laughs> um, uh, but, um, but yeah, so for that video, that was one of the videos that I created in collaboration with them. And I, I found this chair at the store and it was like $4 and the back of it was broken. And I'm like, what if I could redo the upholstery and do everything with one single handbag? How cheap can this be? So it was a $4 chair, $4 bag. I used almost every single part of the bag, took it apart, you know, but made these straps out of it. So it's, it's totally made out of those two pieces. And I just, it's, it was, it's one of my proudest like DIY thrift moments. I love it. And your bathroom makeover, you did a bathroom makeover. That's great. How did you learn to do all this stuff? Is it, did you teach yourself? Well, I, my, so my parents are very involved in my home renovation now. I live close to them now, which is yeah. lovely. Um, but they are very, um, I don't think they would consider themselves to be artistic people, but they're very, um, capable people like my mom was always you know she always made our halloween costumes and we were they were always like creating sets for the shows that we were doing right. my, you know, growing up and it was just they were always very involved and they're they i mean they've every house that we've lived in we've painted it every color of the rainbow it's been we rearranged the furniture every month it's like they're those kind of people that like to be active and like to be you know creating in that way all the time so they just have incredible know-how on how to actually make things happen. So it's been kind of a nice marriage where I feel like I have a lot of ideas and then like, you know, they can kind of help me make it happen sometimes. Right. And another thing I love about your Instagram, and it may have been the thing that took me there through some other course, but you, right. you, you like a gym photo and you like a pair of short shorts and I've been wanting them to come back and you're, and, and I, they're happening. It's happening. You're bringing them back. I, you know, honestly, I hate to give myself credit for it, but it is kind of a thing because, like, you know, like the, like the short nylon gym shorts, I was wearing those. Like, I started posting those on my Instagram in, like, 2017. Yeah. And sort of became a phenomenon within the, like, gay world on Instagram. And now there's, you know, a bunch of brands that the one that comes to mind is, uh, yeah, I work out. Like, they like they do only, like, that 80s right. gym style kind of look. And I'm like, um, yeah, no, finally. I mean, it's I, I think it's, like, not only is it something that I like personally, but I think it's flattering on a lot of bodies. And it just, like, everyone looks great in that. So I'm like, let's bring that back and do that full force. Do people at the gym comment? Do you get any comment? Like, what do you... I've done a few comments. Yeah. 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 yeah, no, it's it's funny because I feel like you know, when I moved to Noonan, every, you know, it, there's not a huge, like, gay population here. Right. But there's still guys that will just, like, wear amazing, like, like tights yes. or whatever at the gym. I'm like, great. Like, let's all let's all do this together. It's awesome. Yes. Skies out, thighs out. That's what I say. Exactly. I exactly. love it. <laughs> I'm also a dancer in my background, and you do dance and choreography. How do the other things that you do, how do they complement the dance part of you are they two separate sides of your brain the visual stuff not at all i mean i think that you know when i so i consider my primary career to be a, a choreographer that's what i love that's what i'm really passionate about and how i feel like i express myself most and i think that for me it really um 
I had a hard time growing up. I was, I was drawing, I was painting, I was playing the piano. I was interested in clothing design. I was interested in so many things. And choreography really felt like the right place because not only was it about dance, but it was about choosing all of those various elements to be a part of it. The music, what the visuals look like, what the costumes look like, with the makeup and the hair, all of it together. And so as a choreographer, I'm very involved in those elements still. And that, and a lot of my skills came from, you know, creating for my work, you know, shopping for costumes. Okay. We're going to the thrift store because it's cheap. I'm looking for specific. How do we customize it? How do we make it fit the body? You know, like, so all of those things kind of like, those are very linked for me. I love it. What's your website again? Remind everybody where they can look at your art and, and the note cards in particular, which I think would make an amazing gift for people. Absolutely. So um, you can shop on my website, reissue.store. I also, over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to put some stuff on my website, but I'm also going to post it on Instagram. My Instagram is the Andrew Harper, um, H-A-R-P-E-R. And um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm at the end of the year here, I'm trying to clear out a lot of stuff. So it will not only be things that I've made, but it's also going to be, you know, like things that I've thrifted that don't fit me anymore. Like just, I'm just trying to, you know, so it'll be, it'll be fun across the board. So that'll be on my website and my Instagram. Well, I love that you're a thrift shop influencer. Like that, that's a, <laughs> feels like a new niche. There should be a reality show where people create amazing things that they just find it, it you know, the goodwill or whatever like that. Um, I think so um, you would you would win it, I think. Um, here's my here's my <laughs> final question. What what does having the outlet, the website, and and the Instagram, what does it meant to you to have this other creative outlet in your life? I don't know. It's it's one of those things where you know when I go to the thrift store or or you know I I, I always have ideas. I like have ideas all the time about like you know what if what you know making this or or repurposing you know it, it so it, having. An ability to sh- to to put my stuff out there to people and to have people buy it. Like I, I only have so much room in my house. I only have can have so much in my own closet. So I have these ideas, and I'm like, you know. But for a while, I was filtering myself. Where it's like, well, I'm not going to make that because I don't want that for me. Right. But it's a very different thing now. I feel like I'm able to really let creativity flow. Where I'm like, I'm going to make this, and I'm going to hope that there's someone out there that's gonna that's going to really connect with them. Especially with my paintings. I don't want to have a house full of my own paintings. But like, there's you know. Sometimes I have an idea and I paint it and then, you know, someone's really excited about it and they buy it. So it's been really nice to be able to just let creativity flow freely and to not feel like I'm having to limit myself by what I want personally in my life. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You, you, you create something beautiful and it finds a home somewhere. Exactly. Well, it's been super fun to talk to you. I think the stuff that you do is super cool and different. Thanks for doing the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks again to Andy Scahill, James Carroll, Paul Yabara, and Andrew Harper. I hope that over these two episodes, I've given you some fun gift-giving ideas and also shined a light on some creative people that are doing cool creative things and maybe inspired you to do your own cool creative thing. Um, So this happened, well, I had COVID, um, but it's not too long and I'm not too bad. But one thing I have been able to do while I have COVID is I've been hosting these virtual game nights that I do through my um, game, You Don't Know My Life, which I co-created with Jeb Havens. And speaking of holiday gifts, if you've never picked up a copy of that game, it's available on Amazon. It's a box game. It will be so much fun uh, around the table with friends or family. Perfect for the holidays. But I've been doing these virtual game nights and um, I, I, uh, I love it. And my favorites are the Europeans. Like the other day I had a game with people from Ireland, there were people from Italy on the same game, and they were telling stories about tiramisu, and it's just like, 
I don't know, maybe I'm sick of Americans, but I love doing these games with foreign people. I feel like I get a little mini vacation uh, in there. And uh, I don't know, it's just, it's just been such an um, unexpected thing that's come into my life. And also a little side hustle uh, that, has, that has really helped out in terms of the bottom line. And talking to all these entrepreneurs makes me just really um, appreciative and grateful and happy that that I uh, partnered with my friend Jeb and we created that game and it's led to this thing. I guess the point is, if you if you start something up, maybe it'll crash and burn, but maybe it'll be great and it'll be fun and you'll learn stuff and it could lead to something surprising. So if you've got an idea out there that you've been kicking around, I, I hope you take some inspiration from these past two episodes and and make it happen and maybe we can have you on the holiday gift guide next year um speaking of the holidays my next episode is going to be a listening party of my friend tom goss's new holiday album big gay ass christmas i'm missing a word my big fat gay christmas my big fat gay ass christmas i'm missing a word the point is we're gonna listen to this really fun ep that he put together every song is great every song is different but if you want to do a little prep you can listen to that in advance on any of the streaming outlets and then we get into the making of the songs and we play around you don't know my life it's gonna be a super fun episode so um that's something to look forward to all right thanks so much for listening i want to give a shout out to aj Sousa for mixing the episodes jb bursey provides additional technical support my theme music is by mark daniels for placement music we'll catch you next time on dennis anyway. bye